Is postmodernism a worldview? Having looked last time at naturalism and the necessary consequence of naturalism that most people don't stay there but either migrate to the hopelessness of nihilism or the pursuit of our own reality in postmodernism, we'll now look at that pursuit of our own reality by comparing postmodernism to the Christian worldview, hopefully to see that the two cannot coexist. The book of Acts characterizes the qualification of an apostle as one who was a witness of Jesus' resurrection, Acts 1.22. Apostles were required to have witnessed the event embedded within the gospel proclamation. This relates to court cases wherein the witness stand is reserved for those who seek to reveal the truth of the matter, and they do so by swearing to a true testimony. The same language of witnessing to the gospel as true is at the heart of Christian theism. While it is true that the epistles and other genres in scripture seek to unveil the meaning of the gospel, the writers do so on the basis of the truth which is contained and revealed in the gospel. See Acts and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Today's postmodernism in the church has essentially sought to contrive narratives without the meta-narrative, meaning without the overarching truth. As a comparison between Christian theism and postmodernism, it is helpful to understand that Christianity, also understood here as Christian theism, brings the gospel to the world as propositional truth. The postmodernist saturation of Christianity rejects creeds or statements of faith, for that implies propositional truth. As such, it is possible to stumble into a so-called postmodern church that preaches the meaning of Jesus' resurrection without any regard to the truth of Jesus' resurrection. Rather, postmodernism in Christianity is aptly thought of as a mood or feeling, so that the experience of faith in postmodernism is not, what do you believe concerning Jesus' resurrection, but rather, what does Jesus' resurrection mean to you? The change is subtle. Historic Christianity seeks to answer the latter by drawing from the depths of the former, while postmodernism seeks to answer the latter after the destruction of the former. While this destruction is unintelligible to historic Christianity, it is the essence of postmodernism. Thus, postmodernism should be considered more of a world mood than a world view of propositional truth. By that admittance, it is opposed to Christian theism. So how does this relate to interpreting the Bible? Well, the pursuit of biblical meaning can seem to be a daunting task, particularly as it relates to arriving at a certainty of meaning. Yet, with sound principles of interpretation, readers can arrive at the true meaning of the biblical text. This will seek to briefly demonstrate how this is so and how presuppositions and worldviews can inhibit or prohibit the pursuit of meaning. First, one must grapple with the concept of meaning. It may seem an elementary question to posit when asking what is meaning and how is it made manifest. But to even answer such a question is to demonstrate some type of worldview. 
One person may assert that meaning is created by the reader of a text, while another insists that meaning is found within the text itself, or the author of the text. Both statements cannot be true without a contradiction of terms. Yet whether one believes meaning can be found is heavily determined by whether meaning is found in the author or the reader. While this may sound like a simple instance of dichotomy, it is also important to note how worldviews relate to this question. Take our previous example of postmodernism. Postmodernism is a worldview in which all moral absolutes are rejected, as well as objective or universal truth. How does this relate to uncovering the meaning of a biblical text? One quickly realizes the answer when the biblical text, such as the moral absolute, you shall not commit adultery, Exodus 20:14, or the universal truth, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, Acts 17:30, are read. It follows then that there are really two possible outcomes. Either meaning is based upon author intent, or reader control. If meaning is viewed in the postmodern lens, reader control becomes the inevitable approach to meaning, since authorial intent presupposes the reality of absolutes and objectivity, i.e., this is what the author means. Further, if one believes in the perspicuity or clarity of scripture, then one must conclude that what is being clarified is the author's communication to the reader, that the author intends to clearly communicate and assert a message to a reader. This lends to a view of meaning within the scope of authorial intent. To summarize, the two schools of interpretation are those of objectivity and subjectivity. Objectivity lies within the view that meaning is what the author intends to communicate. Subjectivity lies within the view that meaning is controlled by the reader. Both pose a dichotomy and cannot be true at the same time without a contradiction of terms. But if truth is subjective, then an endless spiral of subjectivity ensues, as each person's assessment of meaning is subjective to the next person and to the next person for eternity. Moreover, if readers can create meaning within a text, then all grammatical, linguistic, and contextual studies are at the end of the day irrelevant to the conclusions of casual reading. Therefore, it seems that such an approach is illogical for anything more than approaching a text in order to acquire a template to project one's own epistemology, and a subjective one at that. However, when the alternative of authorial intent is considered, things become much clearer. When meaning is viewed as being within the intent of the author, readers can discover such meaning. How readers can engage in this is first and foremost by careful reading. Just as this is communicated to you in order to reflect my intent, the author, so are biblical texts written to reflect the intent of the human authors, and ultimately, God, the divine author. This means that careful reading of the text is paramount if we are to discover true meaning. This is because in simple terms, writings are written in order to be read, and read in order to be understood. This is a basic reality of communication. While study aids are not absolutely necessary, aids such as historical background 
word studies, translation, and genre are all helpful in uncovering the meaning that God intends. Even if someone believes the scriptures to be objective in the meaning of the author, this does not remove presuppositions from the reader, such as their own experiences, that are brought to the text every time it is read. This stresses the necessity for readers to come to God's word humbly in order to have their minds renewed, Romans 12:2, to the truth of scripture. Readers cannot rid themselves of being biased, but scripture presents itself as an objective standard, 2 Timothy 3:16, to bring such a biased person into conformity to truth day in and day out. This is yet another example of why study aids are useful. They stem from the understanding that God's word is objectively true and seek to assist the reader in being sure that being biased is not the controlling factor when the word is read, which would resort result in a distorted meaning. Since the Bible makes objective claims throughout, it must be taken on its own terms, and meaning must be placed within the text itself. In such an approach, readers can discover the meaning with careful reading and help from the aids that God has given his people throughout history. Of course, at the end of the day, this whole pursuit of uncovering meaning in the text precludes a postmodern worldview. And that is because when we look at the liberal churches, liberal in the theological sense that there is a dismissal of objective truth there's a dismissal of the supernatural there's a dismissal of the historic creeds and confessions of faith that have been celebrated and even debated throughout the centuries and what we're left with is a skeletal form of Christianity that looks so much like the world that there is nothing exclusive remaining to be offered to those who come to that church. So it should be no surprise that such churches that express a postmodernism worldview are actually dying. They have already dismissed themselves of being especially relevant to those who would come through the doors because they're not offering anything exclusive, anything objective. They're only offering what might be an emotional or psychological quick fix to that particular time. But for those who are going to be faithful to postmodernism as a living philosophy and worldview, must recognize that no allegiance can be given to the particular church or particular theology because it is not absolute. And therefore, at the end of the day, the trajectory of naturalism although it stems either to one side in nihilism or the other side in postmodernism, really ends up in the same conclusion of irrelevancy. Because nihilism looks at the world and says all is hopeless and crashes into utter despair, while postmodernism in the name of freedom and pleasure becomes a self-defeating enterprise because there are no principles to hold to. There is no truth to assert in the ultimate sense. And at the end of the day, there is nothing to be cherished and treasured or passed on to the next generation. 
the best pursuit of postmodernism dies within the heart of the one pursuing because that reality is only applicable to themselves and no one else. Otherwise, they will break their own rules of that worldview and still end with the same conclusion that those who are faithful tenants of postmodernism are self-defeating at every turn. Either they live out their pursued postmodernism and that enterprise dies with them, or they break their own rules in order to avoid that reality. But in order to do so, they must also leave postmodernism. So at the end of the day, we see that Christian theism in our brief analysis of worldviews is the only lasting worldview that gives us meaning, meaning from God in the objective sense. And a brief defense of that will be made next time on Culturology.